Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another installment of the Nosebleed Seats on Arrowhead Live. It's our fourth episode here on Arrowhead Live. We are looking forward to what we have to show you guys today. Uh, Marcus, you with me? Yep, I'm here. All right, that's my right-hand man, Marcus Baker. We're bringing it to you guys live again. Uh, you know, kind of just giving you guys what we can uh, until uh, training camp starts here later next month. But today we are be go going to be giving you guys our 55-man roster projections. Now, you'll say, why not 53? The NFL has agreed to allow two more roster positions on the sidelines. So it is now 55-man roster. And, uh, you know, that just helps out with depth, I think. So we're looking forward to bringing that to you guys. Uh, Marcus, what do you say we get going? Yeah, I mean, sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, let's go ahead and start with the obvious position here, and that being quarterback. I don't think uh, <laughs> there's any debate here who our quarterback is going to be. The backups is where it gets interesting because you have three backups right now. Last year, they only carried two up until Patrick Mahomes got hurt. So I believe they carry two here again, and I believe it's Patrick Mahomes and Chad Henney, who has been a solid backup in the league for years now. So I think it's Mahomes and Chad Henney. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I think Shea Patterson's just a camp arm. That's how I looked at it when we brought him in. I do expect Jordan Te'amu to be somebody that we put on the practice squad. because For think sure. I think he leads the practice squad, for sure. Yeah, after this season, I expect us to move on from Henny and Te'amu be our primary backup after a year in the system. For sure. So let's move to running backs. This is where it gets interesting because you have like seven on the roster right now. You have Edward Zilaire, you have Damian Williams, Darrell Williams, Darwin Thompson, uh, DeAndre Washington, you have Elijah McGuire. There's just a ton of running backs right there in a, in a really crowded room. So we kind of narrowed it down to four of who we think. And uh, Marcus, I'll go ahead and let you name them here. All righty. Um, of course, first-round pick Clyde Edwards-Elair. We have him in the fold. Um, some people may be against this idea. I think it's in the best interest of the team. I think his trade value will never be higher than it is right now. So I actually have the Chiefs trading Damian Williams for a late-round pick. Um, from a team that may need a veteran presence in the running back room, like the Rams or somebody along those lines that are going young at running back that need that leadership. Just to um, interrupt you real quick, Marcus, I'm sorry. If you guys go back and listen to our second episode, I believe it was when we had possible trade targets, uh, I did mention that the Chiefs might trade Damian Williams, and I had that as one of my projections. So, no, we haven't traded Damian Williams yet. We're just saying uh, this is off of our uh, – projections so just stick with us and uh you know we'll explain the moves to you as we go but i just wanted to help marcus illustrate that point so marcus go ahead yeah, Sorry. for sure yeah no you're good we're just trying to reiterate and build the best roster in terms of what we think they should do and what we expect them to do so with that being said we're, i expect clyde edwards alaire to be the number one the primary running back with uh, deandre washington the former Oakland Raider being in the fold for the first time here in Kansas City in 2020 with uh, Daryl Williams, who was very productive before he got injured and really started to come on and look like one of the better depth guys on the team. And then uh, 
young running back Darwin Thompson as well. I just I don't feel like Thompson's reached his full potential, so it makes no sense for me to move on from that standpoint because I think there's still some things that they could utilize him in in the offense, the way we do things in Kansas City, especially in the passing game. And just his size is intriguing too because he's so small that he's hard to see. And, and when I think about Darwin Thompson, size. when I think about Darwin Thompson, there's two things that come to mind. Football IQ and pass pro. And those are the two things that he really needs to work on. Um, it really stood out in the playoff game when we got the fumble recovery on the kickoff where he just stopped. He recovered it and just stopped. Had an easy six, just walking in the end zone and stopped. So his football IQ definitely needs to pick up as well as his pass pro because I feel like that's the only reason he's not getting uh, playing time. Now you get another yeah. running back in Clyde Edwards Clyde E. in there. And uh, it just makes it more crowded for him. But I do think they keep him on, though. So uh, let's go ahead and move to wide receiver. There's a lot going here as well. Uh, I feel sorry for the undrafted free agents that are wide receivers because it's really hard to make the team as a receiver. They did let go of uh, Kemp, who was a practice squad guy forever. Felton Davis. So do what? I said we also let go of Felton Davis. Yeah, yeah, let go of him. So, I mean, there's room on the practice squad. But right now we have Tyreek Hill, obvious. Sammy Watkins, obvious. McCall Hardman, obvious as well. Then we have uh, re-signed Demarcus Robinson. We have Byron Pringle. And then finally, I feel like getting a chance is Gary Dieter, who has been Patrick Mahomes' best friend since Mahomes came to Kansas City. So... I think they give him the shot and give him that last uh, sixth slot there at receiver. Yeah. Dieter gives me like a very Danny Amendola, Julian Edelman vibe in terms of his relationship with the superstar quarterback. I think he'll be a mainstay on the roster as long as Patrick has, has a say in it and he's still a capable athlete. But I had Felton Davis here in my previous projection that I did in the Narrowhead Live article. And uh, we moved on from him from a non-football injury perspective. So I think Dieter is the other guy that I had in contention there. So I agree 100%. All right. Moving on to the tight ends. Go ahead. Um, I mean, this one's pretty cut and dry as well. We all know who's going to be at the top of this. It's going to be Travis Kelsey, best tight end in the NFL. Uh, followed by Ricky Seals-Jones, vertical threat. More of a wide receiver type frame, playing the tight end position. He's going to be very uh, interesting to see in this Andy Reid system because the potential from a pass passing game standpoint is pretty incredible with what Ricky Seals-Jones can do. And uh, Deion Yelder is the third guy that I have there. and I feel bad for Yelder because I think he's got a lot of potential, but it seems like every time he gets into a spot where he might have an opportunity, we bring somebody in that's just a little bit more intriguing which I think is the case with Seals-Jones. So I do want to talk about Seals-Jones is... for a second. Okay. I don't think anyone's as hyped up about this guy as I am. I watched this guy in Cleveland, and I thought he was better than Njoku at times. I really am intrigued by this pickup, and I think he's going to get a lot more snaps than what people are thinking. Uh, you bring Yelder in there for the blocking situations. Yeah, he can catch the pass as well. But Ricky Seals-Jones is a true vertical threat. I think he is what... Uh, 
OJ Howard was supposed to be. That's my opinion. But I I am really excited about Ricky Seals Jones. I can't disagree with you. I honestly think looking at this group of three, I think this is the most comfortable I've been with the Chiefs tight end depth under Andy Reid in Kansas City. I think this is the best group from top to bottom that he's had his entire time in Kansas City. So there's a lot of potential there from from the tight end perspective in in the offensive offensive personnel packages and things like that because we've got an opportunity now. We can even run like Aaron Hernandez, Rob Gronkowski type concepts with the passing ability or pass catching ability of these two tight ends. And like I'm you not said, lie. you said Aaron Hernandez, too. and I had no idea where you're going with that. Yeah, it took a positive turn. It could have went very negative. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said Aaron Hernandez, and I was like, "Well, where's he going with this?" But that's uh, that's a pretty good analogy. But uh, before we get on to, well, I guess we got the fullback left, and that's Anthony Sherman. Nothing's going to change there. He's been solid for us for years now, so that nothing's changing there. But before we get on to defense, let's go ahead and talk about the punter battle with Tommy Townsend and. Uh, Oh man, who's the other guy? Oh, Tyler man. Newsom. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, I think Tommy Townsend wins it. Honestly, I do. Uh, it's going to be different not seeing Dustin Colquitt back there, and it felt weird typing our notes out and not typing Dustin Colquitt because it's been that way for what fifteen years. Yeah. It's going to be very, very strange not seeing the number two yeah. back deep ret- or receiving the punt. Well, it'll be even worse if they give him, if they give the new punter uh, Colquitt's number. That'll be even worse. But They better not do that. If they do yeah, that, I would, I would hope not. I really do. But then you have James Winchester, who's the long snapper, uh, both on field goals and on punts. So, uh, I've got a kicker. question real quick. Go ahead. Who do you think's going to take over for Colquitt in the holding on the field goals? It's going to have to be the kicker. Or not the kicker, but the punter, you'd think. The punter? I don't know. That's usually how do, it works. Yeah. A lot of teams or the do backup quarterback does it too. Backup quarterback. I don't know if Henny's yeah. had any experience doing that. He's been a backup quarterback for a long time in this league. I wouldn't be shocked if he's at least worked on it. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm really interesting. not sure. That's an interesting point because that could be even more impactful than losing Dustin on the punt because we don't do much of that in Kansas City anymore. For sure. And everyone knows we had our special teams difficulties last year. Uh, it cost us a Tennessee game, and uh, we had a few other block kicks as well. So definitely going to be uh, something to watch for there in training camp and uh, you know, early preseason, see who we might put there. I, for, I had completely forgot that he did the holding up until you said that. So good point there. Uh, moving on then, to good, and like you said, I mean, we've got a mainstay consistency pillar of the organization and Budker at the kicker position. And I just, I, I'm so grateful to have somebody again that I feel confident in. I felt that way about Ryan Suckup back in the day, I kind of felt that way at times about Cairo Santos. But what Butker's been able to do in his young career has been pretty special in Kansas City. For sure. I, I do love Harrison Bucker. Um, I also forgot one more. Let's talk about the offensive line. Um, there's a ton of guys out there right now 
um, either undrafted free agents or guys that we've brought in or guys that we've had on the team for a while. But we have Eric Fisher, Martinez Rankin, Mitchell Schwartz, uh, Duvernay Tardif. Um, I think Nick Allegretti, the center that we drafted, I think in the sixth round from Illinois last year, I think he's going to be on the squad as well. And then, uh, unfortunately, Andrew Wiley and Austin Ryder, just because we don't have a true center right now, other than uh, Nick Allegretti, who's played the position and he played it all in college. So I would love to see him be the starter. And I, from what I've heard from uh, Chiefs Brass and uh, outlets and stuff like that, is that they love Nick Allegretti. So I wouldn't be shocked to see him in there, but I definitely think he's going to be on the sideline. Lucas Niang as well. Um, Daryl Williams, I think he was a uh, undrafted free agent. Is he the one from Missouri, or is that a Nasir no, Durant? That's, that's Nasir Durant. Uh, Daryl Williams, I think Daryl Williams played in the SEC. Give yeah. me a second. Did he? I think so. I'll look that up. Hang on. I'm pretty sure he did. But anyway, what's what's your uh, take on those guys? Because a lot of people think that those guys have potential to be on the roster. I don't know. It's an odd situation because really for the first time I can remember in recent history, I mean, we've always in the last few years had inconsistency at at least one guard spot in the Reed era. But for the most part, LDT up until this last year, year and a half was productive. Well, now even he's taken a back step from a production standpoint and efficiency standpoint. So, I mean, it's a wide open competition in some areas on this line. I think the only places that are definite is Fisher and Schwartz. I mean, the tackles I think are locked in for this season, but I think guys like Rankin, Ryder, Wiley, even Williams, Mike Rimmers, LDT, Allegretti, I think they're all going to have an opportunity to compete for those guards and center position. I know we don't have uh, Yasir Durant on our list here just because of how many tackles we had listed on here. Um, but here in my notes, I wrote actually that he was the number one uh, ranked undrafted tackle. So it wouldn't shock me to see him be a backup tackle, you know, in case we, uh, you know, I mean, he's going to learn under him regardless. I think if he doesn't make the team, he's easily on the practice squad. But what if Mitchell Schwartz walks next year and we can't? afford to keep him or something like that. Or Eric Fisher or Niang has a setback or something like that. Um, You know, I'm, I'm curious what they do with him. And uh, I almost want to switch him and Durant on our roster, but I think Durant could play interior line as well because he's just, he's six, seven, three thirty. That's a big dude. And, you know, that's that's pretty ideal to play guard as well. So I almost want to switch those on mine, but we'll go ahead and stay with the list we got, just not to confuse anybody. But, uh, yeah, you got anything you else on that? to switch Durant and who? Um, Williams. Wait, okay, Daryl. I mean, I could see it because I do see Daryl as a center. I don't think he'll have the length and the physicality to play anywhere but center. 
so I could see it with him being the number one undraft tackle. I mean, it's almost impossible to envision somebody not stealing him off the practice squad. So I may have to agree with you on that, but I'm just, I'm excited because those interior three positions, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked to see LDT lose his spot. I wouldn't be shocked to see Martinus Rankin take Andrew Wiley's starting job. I mean, Please. heck, we don't know if Lucas, ne- if Niang comes in and can play guard, he's probably the best pure talent outside of our tackles in terms of an offensive lineman talent. I think he can play guard too. So we took a position that was a big concern in my opinion, and we didn't really add elite depth, but we added depth enough to where I'm comfortable that if one guy isn't cutting it, we can replace him with somebody that may be able to do a similar or maybe a little bit better of a job. There's a lot of young guys that have potential, but we also have some veterans like Mike Rimmers that have experience that have played multiple positions. So uh, Brett Veach has done a nice job with this offensive line, putting it in a position to have the depth and the versatility necessary to execute the Chiefs offense and uh, protect Patrick Mahomes at a better better clip than they were able to do in 2019, hopefully. For sure. <clears throat> Definitely going to be an intriguing battle there in training camp as well. Uh, see what kind of guys – because receivers, defensive backs, and offensive line and defensive line, I feel, are the most uh, – you know, those those positions have the most battles there in training camp just because people are trying to make the team. And that's those are your biggest uh, needs in the matter of depth on your team. So uh, let's go ahead and flip it to the defensive side of the ball. Um, I know you're excited about the defense. Go ahead and give me your defensive line, who you've got. Yes, I, I totally agree. I'm very excited about this group and their second year under Steve Spagnolo here in Kansas City. So the defensive line, um, the starters, I have Frank Clark at left end, Alex Okafor at right end. Um, I think Tano Passanio will be the backup for Okafor. I envision Taco Charlton being the backup for Frank Clark with Chris Jones in the middle with what I would assume to be Derek Naughty at the one tech with Chris Jones playing the three, and then Colin Saunders, Mike Pinnell, and Breland Speaks as depth. Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked also to see Taco Charlton maybe start over Okafor, just Okafor coming off that torn peck. Um, it was a torn peck, right? I think it was a torn peck. Yeah. That sounds right. Either him or Agba had a torn peck. It was I think they two. both had the same injury, if I remember right. Yeah, but you might be right on that. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see Taco Charlton start there. Um, obviously, has a chemistry with Frank Clark, and I think this change of scenery is going to do really well for him. So, excited to see what he can bring to the table. But other than that, the list is perfect. Um, you know, I don't see any other situation where they bring someone else in or – you know, fill somebody else's spot there. Um, so let's move back to our linebackers. I know this is another list you're excited about, especially with our new rookie. So uh, we got Willie Gay at the weak side linebacker position, uh, Anthony Hitchens at middle linebacker, and then uh, Damian Wilson at the strong side backer just because of his speed. Um, and then back up, you got Ben Neiman. Dorian O'Daniel, and then Darius Harris, who we brought on last year. So uh, just as depth. But I am really excited about the linebacker group. I think having a year under Spags already, uh, 
Anthony Hitchens and Damian Wilson are going to have a lot better seasons this year. So, and like, uh, like you've mentioned, you know, it seems like every episode now, but Willie Gay is going to be special and I can't wait to see what he can bring as well. Yeah, I'd agree. I think he's the most exciting addition to this team. I think he has the potential to make the biggest impact on this team in his first year in Kansas city. Um, I think this will put Hitchens in a position to play his most uh, comfortable position in the mic primarily. People say that Hitchens likes playing the wheel. I just, I don't see the speed on Hitchens. I think when he plays his best, he's coming downhill and attacking the football. And the middle linebacker position and the uh, four to three under and the way that uh, Spags plays will put him in the best position to uh, defend and what I think fits his game best. And what's nice about the way we run our defense is the will linebacker is always free. He's always able to move and impact the football. And I think that's a perfect position to put Willie Gay Jr. in because it gives him the best opportunity to attack the ball on the weak side, the way that the defense is designed. Damian Wilson has more of a set-in-the-edge responsibility. Hitchens is more of a gap-filling guy at that Mike linebacker. So it would give... Willie Gay the best opportunity to fly around the field and make plays, which I think he's the biggest playmaker addition on the entire defense. So, and yeah, with that being said, I have Damian Wilson playing the strong side as well. And uh, hopefully we get Dorian O'Daniel in the sub packages opposite of Willie Gay on the edge, on the outside linebacker positions, because I don't like Ben Neiman personally, and I don't think he's a very effective player. I think Dorian O'Daniel brings a lot more to the table. So I'm hoping that we get to see some more Dorian O'Daniel this year for sure. For sure. Uh, Moving on to the corners. Uh, This is going to be one of those positions I think uh, has the biggest battles in training camp. I know I've said that, uh, you know, a little while ago, but I definitely think this is going to be one of the biggest battles uh, as far as draft picks and guys are, guys are already on the team. You know, we only had what three left from last year. So um, corners we have in our cornerback room, are Bashad Breeland, uh, still waiting to see what that penalty is going to be like. Uh, Shavarius Ward, who I think is going to be an absolute standout for us again this year. Uh, Rashad Fenton, who had uh, some pretty good film last year as well. Legere Sneed, I think they're going to convert him to a corner, the guy we just drafted. Uh, Antonio Hamilton, who I believe Spags is fully intending on playing the corner position as well as special teams. So I'm excited to see what he can do too. Then we have Bo Peet Keys, and we have an undrafted Javarius Davis from Auburn making the team as well. A lot of people were shocked that he wasn't drafted, so I'm really anxious to see what he can bring. And I know, uh, shout out to Caleb James on uh, their show, and you know on his Twitter page, he broke down uh, Davis's film after we had signed him. And, you know, he's in the SEC. He's playing against top-level talent. Auburn, or not Auburn, he's from Auburn, played Alabama, Arkansas, you know, those teams in the SEC. And, you know, it's good to play in a tough division like that and then, you know, bring your talents to the NFL where you're used to playing against top talent. So I'm definitely excited to see what he can bring, and I think he he gets a spot. Yeah, I like that a lot. I really do. Um, I think Brashad Breeland – went above and beyond my expectations last year. Um, he's got a potential to be an efficient CB2 in this league consistently, game in and game out. 
Um, Traverius Ward, to me, I think he's probably the most underrated corner in the entire league. What he was able to do last year against DeAndre Hopkins, like my jaw was on the ground. He has the potential to be a lockdown number one corner and maybe even a top five, top ten guy. If you look at his uh, in-depth analytics last year, he's up there toe-to-toe with Stephon Gilmore, um, Byron Jones, some of these top-end corners to get this respect that he doesn't necessarily receive from like a completion percentage, allowed perspective, things like that, the more in-depth analytics, which they don't tell the whole story, I understand. But if you watch the tape, the tape don't lie either on Ward. He had a hell of a season last year, and I expect even more growth and more progression with another season. I think Tyron Matthew makes a big impact on that because I think he feels more comfortable like he doesn't have to be the last defense type of guy because he can trust his safety play now, which I think is a big difference from early in his career in Kansas City. So I expect him to take another leap and become even better in this next season. Rashad Fenton's another guy that I really, really like. I think he's on his way up to being something special in this defense. Hamilton, I expect Hamilton to be more special teams because he's an elite special teamer. I don't think it's necessarily an implication on his corner ability. I just think he's so good on special teams that that's where his primary focus should be. Bo P. Keys has all the physical tools, but it's going to be a growth process for him. But yeah, you hit the nail on the head. You watch Davis go up against guys like Jerry Judy in the SEC, Jamar Chase, um, pretty much everybody on the Alabama team. There's at least one snap that you can see him. And he's holding his own against these top-level, top-flight recruits, top-flight talent, and wide receiver in the toughest conference in college football. So I think he's got potential as well. For sure. Uh, go ahead and give me the safeties, more because I think these are pretty cut and dry. But uh, go ahead and yep. give me your safeties. Okay, I look at this a little different than you do, so I have a bit of a flop here. Um, I didn't – you probably noticed I did not um, mention Legereus Sneed. In my corner group, I actually think he's so good at the safety position that I think early on in his career, in college he played corner early on, but I think early on this season with the uncertainty of Juan Thornhill, I think maybe in camp we might see him play a lot of safety. So I listed him with the safeties, but I think he can do it all. So for the safeties, I have Tyron Matthew, of course, Juan Thornhill, Legereus Sneed, Dirty Dan Sorensen, and Armani Watts. Yeah, and see, I I just have the difference there. Um, I have Snead on my corners. So I've got Matthew, Thornhill, Dirty Dan Sorensen, and Armani Watts. Uh, if you got to put Snead back there like you did Kendall Fuller last year, you know, kind of that emergency rule, I think he can do it. It's, just, it's nice to be versatile like that, and I'm glad we drafted a guy like that because of his versatility. So knowing that you're able to plug and play him wherever you need to, he could be listed as either. So, um, yeah. And I, I, main reason I did that too is the team historically under Andy Reeds kept six corners. So I kind of wanted to keep six corners and I was able to do that by putting Snead in the safety group, which I could see five safeties being a possibility with Thornhill coming off ACL. So that's the main reason that I did that. He can play both positions. For sure. All right, guys. Well, that wraps it up for us here um, with our 55-man roster projection. I think next episode, uh, next week, we're going to be talking about the running back room, uh, how crowded it is, and we're going to break down those running backs we discussed earlier and kind of bring you 
details on what each of them brings to the table and uh, why we should keep some of them, why we should get rid of some of them. So uh, Marcus, definitely looking forward to that. I did want to mention the Arrowhead Live shop is now live. We mentioned that last week on our uh, episode. Go and check that out. The guys have done a fantastic job with those. Uh, Marcus mentioned last week they've got T-shirts, crew neck sweaters, hoodies. You know, there's been discussions about making shorts and sandals and uh, hats, things like that. So endless possibilities, but it's great stuff. And I know it's booming so far. I believe uh, uh, Tyron Matthew tweeted about it. Ricky Seals Jones uh, tweeted about it, or I think he might even partner with us on that if he hasn't already. So, uh, you know, definitely exciting things going on at Arrowhead Live right now. Uh, Marcus, I know you've been uh, writing for him for some time now, but uh, go ahead and uh, let us know what you got coming out here soon. All right. Uh, one thing I do want to touch on in the last episode, I teased a couple articles that unfortunately, because of some personal issues, I wasn't able to get out last week. Um, so I do apologize about that. Um, this week I'm going to have an article about the potential resurgence in year two in Cleveland for former Kansas city running back Kareem hunt, as well as the, um, Oh my goodness. I do apologize. I'll, I'll get that one to you later folks. Um, it's a top five of some sort. I can't remember off the top of my head. I'll have to look into that. But one thing I do want to mention, I just want to go ahead and give the link out to the store. That is www shoparrowheadlive.com so like jordan said be sure to check that out all the uh all the merchandise you could ever want at affordable prices and you can't get the invece we trust or run it back merchandise from what i've seen anywhere else it's very unique to what we do here at arrowhead live and i think they're great products and i'm looking forward to getting my order and i know jordan is as well so be sure to check that out and uh Check out our other show, the uh, KC Tailgaters podcast as well. And, um, yeah, be on the lookout for that Kareem Hunt article here in the next couple days and then that top five that I'm going to release later in the week. I'll give you more information on that, uh, of course, when it releases. I'll post that on Twitter and things like that. But I do apologize. I can't remember exactly what the article was off the top of my head, but we will have that for you as well. Yeah, and uh, I did want to mention our own podcast as well, the KC Tailgater Show. We did just post a new episode, um, and that's going to drop tomorrow morning. So go and check that out. We do have a giveaway we announced on there uh, for a pair of Chiefs preseason tickets. So go check that out as well. But we thank you guys for continuing to listen to us here on Arrowhead Live. A lot more coming to you guys. But for myself, Jordan Anderson, my co-host, Marcus Baker, you guys have been listening to the Nosebleed Seats, and we'll see you guys next time.